Oh, that's very different. From when you were first walking in, it looked like an Azkaban cup. I thought it was like all the wanted wizards and stuff. Uh, this is Captain Raymond Holt um, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, who has one level of emotion, which is what you need when you're doing an ultra run. You just need to find that one level of emotion and just stick with it. I feel like he'd be an excellent, excellent ultra runner. That's about right. I've never actually watched that show. The only movie that I remember that guy in... Well, that's anticlimactic. I can't actually remember the movie. <laughs> wow. Go back and edit that. <laughs> Insert here. Well, you... Obviously, it was from Macbeth with Kenneth Branagh, where he yeah. played. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. That was a fun moment. It'll come to me. Whatever. Right. Hey, big man. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Just kind of trucking along. It's kind of a lousy, poopy day today. Um, it is. I took my easy run on my treadmill, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, I should probably have waited before telling you that, so we could have segued nicely into today's topic. But that's not how we're going to roll today. We're just going to talk about. We're just going to go first. for it. We've got we've got forty five minutes or whatever it is to get through this because you and I have been juggling diaries today. I, mm. Ironically, my super busy day, which meant that we couldn't catch up in person and had to do it later today has slowly started to drop off. I think people have gradually on the, over the course of this Friday got to about 11 30, 12 o'clock in the day and gone, I can't be bothered doing afternoon meetings. Fair enough. Fair enough. Did you just leave? I can't see you anymore. Oh my, what's happening? I'm alone. Alone in the oh, universe. I just lost. That was weird. That hasn't happened in a while. Are you still there? Oh my. Must be the weather. There he is. Hey, my uh, Wi-Fi just glitched. Yeah. That, what, everything just went weird for a second. That was strange. You actually sound different today. Are you on a different mic or something? I am, yeah. I've got a different headset microphone and stuff on. Yeah, yeah. it actually it actually sounds professional today. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, the, well, I will admit that this uh, work-supplied headset and microphone probably cost more than the crappy thing I bought uh, myself out of my own pocket, so, yeah. Uh, that could very well be. Have you been? Have a, how's uh, running been going? Running's been going well. So, uh, big update for listeners and for you. I On Monday, I went and got my cortisone injection mm. into my foot, into my plantar fasciitis, which has been the nemesis, the bugbear uh, of my life for literally the last, you know, 12 months or so. Um I had a look 12 months ago, my month of June, when I had the first really big plantar flare out was 77.7 kilometers. This month, my kilometers were 76.7. So I seem to have this thing now where every year, June is just a write-off month. Uh, and I have some sort of injury or thing that, that hurts me. Um, but yeah, I got the plantar fasciitis done. It was a an, an ultrasound guided injection where they actually get the ultrasound there and they see on the ultrasound the needle go into the place where they're injecting it. Yeah, um, I hope so. And it feels great. Like my foot feels fantastic. It really? felt great straight away. Like straight away, there was no pain, which I put up to the anesthetic and went, okay, well, that's probably why it's there. Mm. Um, anesthesia or what? Anesthesia. So the, jet, the local anesthesia they put in, I'm like, well, that's why I can't feel anything. So that feels great. Mm. But it's been five days now and I have no pain in the plantar fasciitis. Uh, I've been running, bike riding, 
every day. Very slow runs. Yeah. Um, slow runs on an oval. Only about three or four Ks, but I've been doing my normal bike riding and I'm looking forward to getting back into it this weekend and having a, a really good running weekend for the first time in ages. Well, shed some light on it for me. So obviously I'm kind of familiar with like cortisone shots. Like my dad used to get them for his knee and I've sort of dabbled with the idea for, you know, like the IT band stuff, but I've never actually done it. I Is there like any kind of sort of warning label with it? Like, so you've got this, it kind of mm. more masks the pain or does it kind of... It's it's so the the way I understand it is it's it's really a, a relaxant. So the problem is is when you've got something like plantar fasciitis or tendonitis or an IT thing, you've got a bunch of swelling and inflammation that's mm. happening in that area. The cortisone injection reduces that swelling really dramatically, so that then you can start to do the stuff to work around it and recover and repair. So yeah. one of the one of the ironies with plantar fasciitis is that. Um, you need to do all this strengthening work um, to try and take the pain off the, the heel and all that. But by doing that, you're putting stuff through the heel. And plantar fasciitis um, means you can't walk on your foot. Mm. But ironically, one of the big causes for plantar fasciitis is excessive weight gain. And what's the way that you get rid of weight gain? Well, you walk. So it's a bit of a catch-22 situation. So what the cortisone injection does is it, is it disrupts that. It breaks that cycle. Sure. And it lets you get on with some of the stuff that can help to improve it so that when the cortisone wears off in three to four months, you've done the work to rehab around it. Mm. Uh, you know, Build up the muscles. Get used to the inserts do the exercise to try and, you know, take a bit of weight off if that's what affects you, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, mine was an overuse injury. Um, mine's, you know, I don't carry a lot of extra weight. Um, mine was more just overuse injury and probably, like I said, uh, getting into strength training and doing strength training in a way that was just putting way too much pain through my, way too much effort through my heels than normal. Yeah. Um, but the thing they say with cortisone injections and the way, the thing they talk about anti-inflammatories generally is inflammation is the body's way of protecting itself right it's the body's way of saying hey there's something here uh be aware of this don't do that you're hurting yourself and the inflammation is trying to protect you the cortisone in injection affects that and the other thing the cortisone injection does is at the point of the injection you can be more susceptible to weakness and tears there because the, the the tendon or the ligament is much more relaxed and so it doesn't have the resistance and so it'll just keep pulling and so there is anecdotally that the side effect is, hey, you could find yourself at more risk of injury, ironically, because of the thing you're doing to treat an injury in the first place. Right. So it's not for everybody, I guess. Is the... It's not for everyone. It's not something they rush into. So and it's not a miracle only... cure. It's No, it's not. I mean... Let me put it this way. Uh, if you were an athlete, a professional athlete, and you were getting paid tens of millions of dollars to play a game where you chase a ball around, um, it probably is a miracle, miracle cure. Because sure. if you can get this injection, you can play out the rest of your season and get all your money. For an average Joe Schmo like me, who uh, running is not my primary income stream, it needs to be really balanced against, well, what is mm -hmm. the risk here? Of, of what is my long-term prognosis and stuff like that? Yeah. And they, they, they won't jump to it straight away. Um, you know, for instance, the only reason I got mine so quickly was because I was able to show, well, I've done a year's worth of podiatry work. I've done a yeah. year's worth of rolling of inserts and all these sorts of things. There's something else going on here. Mm. Um, and again, they, they can't just whack them in all the time. It's like three times a year uh, and you get diminishing returns. The more you get it, the less the benefits you get, you the older you are, the less yeah. benefits you get, etc. Well, that's fun. Well, I, I hope it kind of all turns out uh, for you. So that's 
I mean, that's exciting though, that, that you're kind of feeling no pain and you're going to be, I'm able feeling to... really excited to get back into running. I mean, it's one of those things where I'm like, well, now that I've got the injection, I don't have to worry about any of the stretching or any of the strength training or any of that. I'll just go out and, and bang it out. Isn't that the way it works? Um, I don't think so. No, <laughs> not at all. But that's, that's cool to hear because you haven't really been excited about running for like no. a long time. Like even no, this is good. during race season, kind of this past six, mm, yeah, four to six months oh, or so, you've just been kind yeah. of like, whatever. I mean, there was there was so much work to get to the concept of Oxfam yeah. that I think there was just a build up there. Like I came out of De- December last year, I came out of December going, I feel really good about running. Um, and then I kind of knew that the next big thing would be Oxfam. But then after Oxfam, I just had a really interrupted training thing. And like we talked about in the episode a couple of months ago now, I did not set myself up for success for Great Ocean Road. Mm. And so I kind of went through that whole experience coming out of Oxfam, training for Great Ocean Road, having a bad Great Ocean Road experience, and then sort of coming back from that and getting injured. So I'd say you're right. It's probably close to three months where running has not been something that I've really been jonesing for. Yeah, I'm feeling that. It might be the fourth cup of coffee for the day. Could be. But I'm feeling it like I, I, it's a pity of, of course melbourne puts on a terrible weekend of weather now just where i feel like i want to get out there and go running no i hear that stupid mm. weather what about you what are you up to uh yeah still um obviously we're a couple weeks out from the run melbourne to so the half i've uh, been plodding along with my training with kirk and we've had some really good workouts the last couple weeks uh like Everybody knows I did my so I did my mile time trial in the in the middle of a 13 kilometer run on Saturday last week and that actually went really well. Uh, it was the first mile time trial I've done in a long time and we haven't worked speed like really at all. I mean we've been tickling it here and there. That's not the word I was looking for. Where uh, as a weird thing to say, we've been flirting with it. <laughs> we've been tickling it. That's creepy. You flirt first, then you tickle. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, but we haven't really worked in speed, so I've just really been working on my engine for the past eight weeks. And I went out there and I PR'd my mile with a 607. So wow. I was really close to that sub six, but in a mile, eight seconds, which would have brought me to yeah. 559. That's an eternity for a mile. So uh, mm. the last time trial I did for my mile was probably about two or three years ago, and I think it was like a six. 25 or 635 and so i'm really happy with that uh, i would have liked the sub six but i'm really happy with that considering we haven't touched speed uh we've started now sprinkling in a little bit more i had a speed workout on tuesday that kicked my absolute ass because i went out there with a bit of cockiness from the mile so basically mm-hmm. the run was two miles uh 3.2 kilometers easy warm-up followed by a four mile or six and a half kilometer sort of hard tempo run and I was like all right well let me try to do this at like a 420 kilometer pace which is about a seven minute or so mile mile and that just didn't like and it was funny because a few weeks back I had done an eight kilometer threshold pace sort of at that um sort of at sorry eight kilometer hard tempo sort of at that pace but this just didn't happen I started out uh, in, in miles at 7.15, and then 7.22, and then 7.46. Like, this then, is going the wrong way. Yeah, I ended at, like, a 7.44, and then it was, like, a five-minute walk break, and then it was um, six times 400-meter repeats, and I was like, all right, I'm trashed right now. I don't know what's going yeah. on. And so I wanted to try to get them in anywhere from, like, 90 to 100, uh, to 100 seconds, 
doing them in 95 to 105 seconds was like a real harsh bitch of a mistress. And it was tough. And I spoke to him about it. And then I did the two mile cool then after that, which was just, I was just sluggish. And I talked to him about it. I'm like, look, I get it. It's not linear, but this really kicked my butt. And it was just, I, I, I don't know what it was. My body maybe was still tired from the mile because the mile's short, but it's, yeah, you're it's pushing that hard. Um, yeah. Because my heart rate at one point, I was able to get it up to 175 and it didn't feel too bad. But my body was just like, my body wouldn't allow me to stay there. And I, it was just a tough, it was a tough run. Like, I'm not terribly worried about it, but it just kind of goes to show you that sometimes you have, you know, you have a great week followed by like not such a great week. And um, so, yeah, it was just, a, it was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting experience. But he is finally now starting to get a little bit better of my uh, idea of my running. And so we've been talking about, you know, pacing and he's like, all right, so you have a, a bit of a speed workout the week before the half marathon because he's not tapering me at all. He's like, basically, okay. we're treating the half marathon as kind of like a quality run workout because our A race is the marathon. And oh, yes. You need to share that. Yeah. Us. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, mm. And so he's like, all right, so what I want you to do is hit these paces for this. And it's really exciting because I've never had a, a, a running coach that has said, all right, hit this pace. And he gave me exact numbers. So it's basically that workout's going to be um, a long run, and it's five it's minutes hard, that, three cause, minutes. Because market, market WinFit doesn't really set paces for people. He, no, sort of, but... he prescribes workouts and stuff, but he's never really sat down and said, you should try to run up this pace. He's I always think just he... sort of worked it out anecdotally. I think he probably would if you worked with him individually, maybe, and he got like... Because most of what Mark does, from what I've seen, is just is kind of like the group training, so he can't really... Yeah do that for everybody but i'm sure he would um we talk to him about that when we get him on i think so too but yeah. so it's just really it's really exciting so we're dialing in he's like we we had our our face-to-face -face the other day chat and he just gave me this smirk he's like i'm not saying that you're gonna pr your half but you should try because i think you could <laughs> wow <laughs> like, right. that's awesome uh so it's good um but yeah then the other big news is uh, yesterday, two days ago, whenever it was, I, I signed up now for the Melbourne Marathon. I one scrolled of through us. the uh... one of us. <laughs> I understood that reference. Um, <laughs> now that I watch The Simpsons, um, and you were right. I scrolled through about five minutes worth of apparel that I didn't care about. My God, it's like, would you like to buy a part of the grandstand? No. We can sell you a bit of the bitumen that you run on. Mm. I mean, it was. It's more like if it's not buttoned bolted down at Melbourne Marathon. They're selling it to you. Yeah. And it was yeah. it was like I, I I think I just missed the early bird final cutoff by like a few hours, ten hours or something. So what did um, it cost you? hundred and sixty five. So only fifteen bucks. Yeah, it's only fifteen bucks. It's still still a lot. Uh yeah, plus I'll have to pay the before uh, the match. Yeah. Put, I'll have to pay the extra six dollars for um the postage because I, I I couldn't see that on the thing. Right. So I, I did email them, so hopefully they get back to me because I don't want to pick yeah. up my, my. Uh... No. Although I do like going to the race week office and having a look at it on the Friday or something. That's yeah, kind of become a little ritual for me to to wander through. And also, if they're giving away a gift of any sort, picking it up on the Friday is a lot easier than trying to remember to get it on the actual race day. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, because you're obviously not going to mm. do that before the race, because where are you going to put it? No, and then you're doing it afterwards, and they've run out of your size, and mm. yeah, it's pros uh, and cons of everything, of course. That's a good point. I probably I probably will go there 
day before anyway, maybe with Aaron, just to scope it out. Not that it changes much, but it's always a nice little thing are they to doing get you a two day are they doing the, the half marathon and stuff on the Saturday still? Like are they splitting it over the two days like they did last year? Making it more of a because they did that last year to reduce the amount of people that are there on one day for COVID know. purposes. That's a good question. I'll have to look. I'm not sure. I also didn't I... think they gave away gifts last year either. I didn't get a free t-shirt last year. I don't think anything. they did either, uh, which is funny because last year, I think, was the first year that Nike took over. So you would have thought that... They, their stuff would have been everywhere. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I didn't actually see because I didn't look at the dates or anything. I just, yeah, I just, I, the only options that I was, see, was seeing was the uh, under four hours or over four hours. Yeah. And so you've gone under four? Here's hoping. But yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So that's exciting. Well, that's, yeah. That's, yes, that's really, so, so um, is that what we want to talk about today? Compare sort of training uh, programs and what you're thinking about doing over the next, because it's 12 weeks. It's literally 12 weeks. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I'd like to, because like I said to you the other day, it'd be interesting to segue into a little bit about what you're doing, because me leading up to 85 days to go. Yeah. Uh, I think the main bulk of what I want to talk about today will be some treadmill stuff, uh, because like yeah, I said, okay. I, I did do my treadmill workout today, in, on, well, on the treadmill, my run today on the treadmill, uh, and especially with this nasty weather, it's going to be good to talk about that leading up to something like the marathon, but yeah, yeah. I figured what we could talk about before that is is the different types of training, so what's your training is, look like is, for the sorry, next... Just, it is all on the one day, I just jumped onto the website and checked it out. It, all it of is your training is on the one day? No, no. Yeah, all my training's on the one day. I'm just going to jam it in on the 1st of October. Uh, that way it's going to be really fresh when do I do it, it on the, the run on the 2nd. No, all, <laughs> all of the Melbourne Marathon events are on the one day. So okay. Sunday, the 2nd of October. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, so before I interrupted you, your, your question was, um, what am I doing for my training for the marathon? Yeah, um, well, I guess maybe what what I should ask instead is, what do you? how do you normally, for you personally, with your marathon training, what have you normally done in the past? Yeah, so I think what I've normally done in the past is it comes down to like when I've done when I've been at my best, cross training mm. is part of my base. So, you know, a lot of people say if you want to get good at running, you should focus on running and then everything else becomes supporting. Um, but I found that one of the first things that goes when you're time poor is those opportunities to do the cross training, like the weight training or the bike riding or something like that. So what I will do and what I've had great success in, in the past is basing my running routine around cross training opportunities, yep. which for me is commuting on the bike. So, you know, using the bike to ride to and from the city twice a week, um, I think will be really important for me. That's going to give me 140 odd kilometers, you know, seven or so hours a week on the bike of getting good cardio in, you know, riding a fairly heavy bike with a bunch of gear on it is going to be good for muscle. Mm. It's going to be not a lot of stress on my ankles, my joints, my back, things like that. Um, I'm going to really try and make sure that I focus on those two bike commutes a week to the extent where if something comes in like a competing priority or weather and I have to move things around, I won't skip the cross-training opportunity. I'll move the cross-training opportunity to another day and bring the run back onto that other day and do that. So so that's one of the first pillars for me to prepare well for a marathon is, is cross-training and promoting cross-training. Um, the second one will be the midweek long run. Everyone talks about the long run that happens on the Sunday. 
again, I find for me in terms of knowing I've got the form and I've got the base and I've got the mindset, I need to be able to go out there and do a midweek long run on a Wednesday, yeah. uh, doing you know half marathons during the week, having the motivation to get up in the morning, to get out there and do it, get it done, and then go do a day of work afterwards mm-hmm. um, is really, really important as a barometer for me to know if I'm feeling what I need to feel to do the event. You can absolutely do the events without doing that. But for me personally, that's a real indicator that, okay, yep, things are going to plan, Zach. You've always but, thrived yeah. on bigger volume, though. You, like you'll, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you're, yeah. you're one of the few that will do a marathon distance to train for a marathon distance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, and in some cases, I've said in the past, you know, doing a super long, slow 45 for mm-hmm. me is really helped me mentally prepared to do the 42. Yeah. You know, for, you know, because I like to, I like to run my marathons at ninety percent. I get, I, I am, you know, perhaps fearful of the bonk. I'm so worried about pushing it to ninety nine percent in the event and hitting the bonk wall that I'd rather quote unquote train for a longer event and fall back to the marathon event in terms of distance and everything. Um, so that's always been my tactic. So the midweek, yeah, you know, higher volume for me. My volumes will be. 70 kilometers a week plus mm. you know my base will get to 70 kilometers pretty quickly um and some of the weeks will be up around uh, like my my peak volumes back in 2019 i think i did four months of 100 to 115 kilometers a week yeah. back to back to back I so I, I thrive on building really big high volume so midweek long runs will be important for me um, a good tip i learned from mark was not being afraid to go out on a Sunday, before, sorry, to go out on a Saturday before a long run on the Sunday and really push it on mm-hmm. the Saturday and go into the Sunday long run with your legs feeling a little bit tired. Um, I think a, a couple of people, a lot of people sometimes approach the Sunday long run and go, oh, I need to really take it easy on the Saturday to save up for the Sunday long run. Well, no, the Sunday long run is meant to precondition you to time on legs and fatigued legs. So going in a little bit tired after a short, sharp 5K at the park run on the Saturday is not a bad thing. So, so I'll, I'll try and get a Wednesday midweek long run in, probably do that on hills. I'll probably try and get out to the Yuyangs uh, or hills in the area and mm-hmm. do hills uh, on a Wednesday. I'm going to try and get one quality track session in, probably a Thursday night. So Wednesday morning, long run, uh, midweek long run on hills. Thursday night, track session. Saturday morning, doing a combined mileage that's about half of what I'll do on my Sunday long run. And that'll include a five kilometer park run in the middle. So for example, my long run this Sunday is 18 kilometers. Mm. So on Saturday, I'm going to do nine kilometers. I'll do a two kilometer warm up. I'll do a five kilometer park run and then I'll do a two kilometer cool down. And then over the next 12 weeks or so, as my Sunday long runs build up, I'll take whatever my Sunday long run distance is and I'll do half of that before or after park run to just sort of make that my, and, and that'll that kind of gives me the ratios. I'm a big fan of ratios and making sure that my Sunday long run is never more than say 40% of my total mileage for the week. Uh, 40% is like warning zone. You're putting yeah. too much into this Sunday long run. You've got to try and you've got to do the work over the course of the week to the, the Sunday long run is complementary to it. Otherwise, all you're doing is basing your, your training routine around um, Sunday long runs. And so if I do all that, that I just spoke about, that doesn't leave a lot of time for anything else. There'll probably be maybe one or two recovery runs in there. Mm. Um, just getting out there, doing some recovery work, focusing on strides, taking the opportunity to do maybe some more stretching yoga stuff after yeah. that as well. So I can see myself doing six, 
sessions a week of running with two days of cross training. Um, that'll probably be what I'll what I'll work on over the next eight five days. days. That's, uh, that's yeah, eight days. So you're going to yeah. do an eight day week. So you basically so you, you'll go eight days and then take a day off. Is that what you're do? Yeah, I think that'll be better. I think I think a big training plus I've noticed is that if you can do nine days worth of work in a seven day week, you tend to get a lot more done. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be a big training tactic for me. It's just fine two extra days. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, and that's obviously that will change yeah. based on um, flexibility with schedule and hopefully, God forbid, not sickness. Mm. Hopefully, weather starts to improve, getting better. Um, but yeah, that's kind of going to be my base. All of it will be outdoor. So to yeah. your point about treadmill type stuff, um, none of that will be indoors. I'm just going to have to get out there in the rain, in the cold. Mm. Um, my one rule is I will not start an activity if it's raining. Um, if I if it's not raining, I'll start an activity, and then if it rains, okay, so be it. But um, I will not go like I will not jump on the bike or start to run in the rain. It yeah, I kind of yeah I kind of in the same boat. Like I don't mind if I'm out there and it starts raining. But I won't get out there if it's already raining. Whoa, your computer no. just zoomed in. Did you do oh, that? I was going to have a big coffee. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was awesome. Like you drank it yeah. and it just came in. That was it's cool. amazing. Yeah. This camera's great. That's nuts. <laughs> nice. So what are you now? So leading up, so are you going to follow? So basically that's what you have done. This is, I'm assuming, yeah. what you're going to do. Uh, are you following another plan? Are you going to... Uh, so, so I'm going to use the, um, so the Nike Melbourne Marathon plan i'm going to use that to guide my long runs and so, how uh, how strict will you be with it i'll be i'll be free. so what i'll do is i will take the distances that they suggest for mm -hmm. their runs and, multiply uh, them and for my two. no no for my, for my long <laughs> runs i'll use that to work out an indicative time yeah and then i'll run to whatever is on the day i'll run to whatever is the longest of those things so for instance um on one of the days they're saying I should run 20 kilometers. So I'll sit there and go, okay, well, 20 kilometers, that feels like it'll be closer to two hours than an hour 45. So I will plan to do either two, I will do two hours, but if I get to two hours and I haven't done the 20 kilometers, then I'll do the 20 kilometers. Um, I'm gonna follow that quite steadily. And, and it it is basically following a rule, it looks like of every week or so, it's adding about two kilometers to your long run. Yeah. So about 15 minutes to your long run every week. Um, it starts at 18 kilometers this week and it builds up. So it goes 18 kilometers, 20, 22, 24, 28. Then it jumps to 32. Then it brings you back down to 26. So about six weeks out, it does a deload week. Mm. Then it takes you back up to 34, peaks at 36. Oh. Then comes down to 32, down to 24, and then 16 a week out. See, 36 so, to me... That's kind of that's that's aggressive for yeah. the everyday runner. Uh, so, most so people is, don't uh, go past thirty-two. I would think. Yeah, so that is for the marathon training group two. So that's a slightly more mature oh. um, group of people. The group sure. ones, um, they match out at or they go to thirty-four. Mm. So fourth September, a month before the event, they're suggesting a long run of thirty-four kilometers. Okay. For those people, so for me that is about three and a half hours at four hour marathon pace mm. so if i'm looking at doing a four-hour marathon and, and my um my sunday long runs tend to be at the pace to do a four-hour marathon so if i'm doing a sunday long run at four-hour marathon pace then that's about three and a half hours so my longest run in the lead up to this will be a three and a half hour long run on a sunday 
pretty good. Mm. That's pretty um, good. Knowing that my, you know, my quote-unquote PB speed for a marathon is half an hour overall faster than that, which is quite a big difference. Like you're talking about the difference between a 540 pace and a 450 pace. Yeah. So it's actually quite a lot of difference when you look at it that way. Yeah. Your PB is a 330... No. 320... 329. 329. 329. Yeah. We had this conversation a couple of shows. That's pretty pretty fast. Yeah. So I don't think I'll be sniffing sub 330 this time. We'll see how I go. I mean, my God, the cortisone injection just has me feeling I can take on anything right now. Yeah, you're going to show um, up in but, your flash shirt. Yeah, I'm really committed to, to training well for this. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I listen, I've said sub four. I'd be happy with something sub 345. Mm. Um, yeah, my, see how we go. We've got 12 weeks to figure it out. Right on. Mm. That's fun. So what are you going to do? Are you just going to do what Kirk tells you to do? Is that Pretty your Pretty much, yep. yep. Uh, so basically in the past, I have never really worried about anything other than my speed workout days and my long run days. So basically I would do maybe two speed workouts a week and a long run or one speed workout a week and a long run that had speed built into it. And my easy runs, quote unquote, would never be as easy as they probably should be. You know, yeah. I would always push that, you know, 520 pace or something. Well, and your it, your days of non-speed work, interval track work, or long runs were always, and I did threshold run, or I did this, or I did that. Like, yeah. they were always faster runs on your days that weren't track work, so or long runs than otherwise. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it never yeah. really, it never really, I mean, sure, it, you know, in the short term, when you're doing that, it really, you can get fit as shit, you know, <laughs> just doing fast stuff, but it's not sustainable. And that's why, a big part of the reason why I got as injured as I did for as long as I did. So now with this new block, so Kirk's got me only now just starting getting into a little bit of speed work. And we truly don't know where that's going to go between now and the Melbourne Marathon. But generally, it's going to be, you know, it's kind of really polarized, 80-20. So I'll have, you know, two easy recovery runs a week, one of which, so my Monday recovery is generally uh, 13 kilometers. So for normal That's a long recovery run for exactly for normal person for me when i was first starting out running that was well and truly a long run but now it's just mm-hmm. as long as i keep my heart rate where it's supposed to be it's fine uh and then i'll have two uh, sorry one true speed session which will have whatever that's going to be it's going to be t- sort of intervals or tempo run or a mix of both or that might either be a speed session or that might be, say, a, um, oh, no, no, that's just a speed session. Then I'll have another session that this will be on the Thursday, which is either going to be chasing vert or a flat run for time, but not fast time, keeping the heart rate in check, kind of in that quote unquote gray area, as Kirk likes yeah. to describe it. So it's not easy. It's not hard, but it's just right there in the middle and that's either going to be you know, like yesterday i went up to the yu yangs and just ran up and down flinders peak 70 minutes wow. and um or it'll just be flat but i'll aim to get around the same heart rate as i would running up and down flinders peak for 70 minutes which yes. turns into whatever that turns into and then you know there will be uh another recovery run which is generally has been 
around half the distance of the first recovery run. So, for example, today, treadmill, I did four miles instead of eight. Mm -hmm. So that's six and a half kilometers, right? And then Saturday is my long run. And he's been kind of... Generally, the long runs are, okay, so for your first half, take it really nice and easy. For the second half, ratchet up the pace just slightly. And then see where that puts you. Oh, I'm looking at your name, not your face anymore. Did you go away? Zach, 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 Zach is back. We want Zach to come right back. Oh, he's gone now. I don't like it. I don't like it when Zach leaves. Well, I'll just... Well, now you've got me on my lonesome, everybody. I'm going to message Zach right now and see where he's at. Did you die? I'm not going to cut any of this out because I'm going to make this entertaining. Oh, his house just shut down. Oh, he lost power. Oh, he lost power. Bummer. All right. Maybe I will pause this. <laughs> and I'll come back at some point. Oh, he's switching to the iPad. No, we're good. He's switching to the iPad. So I'm just going to keep talking, and he's going to join whenever he joins. I think he should be able to still join. So... Uh, but yeah, for everybody listening, I don't know how much he caught of that. But yeah, so that's what my week is going to look like. My long runs will be either half and half easy to semi-challenging. Not hard, not threshold or anything, but say just cutting 30 seconds off per mile in the second half. Um, and then going from there, and sometimes Kirk throws just like a time trial in there or you know, some speed workouts in there in terms of five minutes hard, three minutes easy. Uh, and, you know, five minutes will be at 30 seconds faster than, say, half marathon pace. I don't want to say too much, so I'm just going to wait because I'm probably going to repeat all this again when Zach gets back. Yay, here he is. Here he comes to save the day. It's been a musical. Here he is. Come on now. Come on. There he is. Hey, How are you? Good. Very different audio, I'm sure, now. Yeah, um, now I, I can hear the uh, ec the tinniness and the echoiness of the room. My house just died. Oh. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, that bit of weather just came through and, yeah, I might yeah. have to go flip some switches or stuff. Because you heard that rain before too, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. my light just went off and everything. So, I think that switch has been tripped somewhere. So, yeah. Um, did you keep talking without me, just amusing I, yourself? I yeah. did, and I just said to everybody listening that I'm probably going to repeat most of that, so they're in for double. Uh, but no, I, what I mean, was I the last? What, I know you don't. What was the last thing you heard? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember. Cool. Mm. So yeah, well, what I was just saying was, you know, all that then culminating with a long run, which will turn, you know, half easy, half maybe thirty seconds faster than that pace per mile. Yep. You know, we've got a couple of workouts where he'll have me doing say five minutes hard at 30 seconds faster than goal half marathon pace and then three minutes easy. So it's all very dialed in and there's, there's a lot of different stuff like different terrain. You know, obviously he does a lot of incline work with me mm -hmm. on the treadmill and at the Yu Yangs and chasing vert. So there's the lower impact, but still working hard. And then of course there's the, there is the cross training. There's the strength training that he has me doing four times a week, two of which are very running geared and power. 
and just compound movements and heavy when the other two are just basically whatever I want to do. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of, um, when you're planning a schedule like this, there's a lot of ratios, a lot of, Oh, well this workout is half of this workout and this workout is a percentage of that one. Like everything is proportional. You've got to make sure when you're training for a marathon that you don't have extremes in your training volumes. I mean, the, the, the long run will always stand out. Yeah. as a bigger distance than everything else but everything else needs to be somewhat relative you don't want to have like a random number generator in this today i'm doing three miles and next time i'm doing 13 miles and then i'm doing seven and now i'm doing 14 no it's got to be a bit of a pattern to it it's, it's absolutely it's got to lead up like this this weekend will be my second 16 mile run that i've done with kirk the last one being a couple weeks ago uh so 26 kilometers but if i'm not doing the volume that i'm doing leading up to this because my, mm. my, my week this week will be about 70 kilometers or so. Yeah. So what's that? 16, 70 minus 16, what's that? 40, 54. Yep. So that's about 30% yep. of my week. And if I'm not doing that week leading up and all of a sudden I do a big 16-mile run. You wreck yourself. You wreck yourself hard. Yeah. And, and that's the lesson. Like when people are like, oh, how do you go from training for a half marathon to training for a marathon? It's like, well, when you train for a half marathon, your long run is 16 kilometers. And then you do your half marathon, which is 21 kilometers. And you take two weeks off because you've done a half marathon. And that's really, really tough. Mm. But when you start training for a marathon, you get to the point where you're doing a half marathon every weekend for your Sunday long run. And as you heard me talk about before, often as a midweek long run. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just, but you don't get there in a week. You've got to exactly build right. up bit by bit by bit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's the thing is it's, it's always, I think better to be slightly, I don't want to use this word in the wrong way because it's kind of got a negative connotation to it, but slightly fatigued mm. heading into your long run than haven't done enough going into your long run. It's like doing a, a hard run mm. without uh, warming up. Yeah. Your long run, if you're fatigued going into your long run, just go a little slower. Yeah, it's compromised. It's, it's good. to go slower. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I guess fatigue, tired, you know, spent. Because fatigue is a tough mm. word. Fatigue. When you think fatigue, you think of overtraining, and yeah. you know, you just gotta, you just gotta gauge it yourself. Tired legs. You got to get used to running on tired legs. That's right. That's right. And seeing what happens when the body breaks down. Not breaks down in terms of injury, but breaks down in terms of form and, you know, other things come into play because that's what's going to test you during the actual event time. Yeah. And it will. Like, that's why that workout the other day was so good. Like, I got to that point where I was like, I was looking at the pace and I was feeling how I was feeling. And I was like, my pace is just getting slower. It's just getting slower. Mm. I can't keep this up. And you come to that point where it's like, I should, I could just stop because yeah. this workout isn't going the way that I want it to. And you could, and fine, yeah. like if you make the decision, whatever, you live with that, that's fine. And but, do that to prevent injury. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. There are some times when it's going to be okay to do that. Like you could just, like I was talking to Kirk about this again the other day, he was like, you know, I've done that. Like he, yeah. he went out for a workout a couple of weeks ago and he got 20 minutes into a 40 minute workout and he was just like, nope. Hmm. Um, and that's okay sometimes, but then yeah. there are some times where you kind of have to push through that and you've got to be mentally tough. And even though it's not going the way you want it to go like you know shit happens you're going to get into a race that doesn't go the way you want it to go you're not yeah. going to quit you might but hopefully you don't like you shouldn't dnf a race just because you're not hitting the paces you want to hit yeah you know unless you're an elite runner who's like you're 
like it'd be better off if you're an elite runner and you know you're not going to win and that's why you're there you're probably better off saving yourself for the next race yeah correct there's there's extremes of course at every end here around injury and elite performance and if this is your job that you're paid to do and all that Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like it gets back to that conversation we had about mindset a couple of weeks ago that same mindset that people listen to when they're like oh well my schedule only says I'm meant to do X this week, but I'm feeling really, really good. So I'm going to ignore the 10% rule and mm. push past it. Well, no, you need to ignore, you know, you need, your mindset needs to control that urge, just like your mindset needs to control the urge to not finish the run on the days that you're not feeling yeah. it. Because and if you only run your best run when you feel like it, that's not the point of training to do exactly, this. Exactly, exactly. No. And I will go right back to the running public. I I heard this on my run in the, in the Yu Yangs the other day. This was from Bracken, and as he was saying it, my eyes widened, and I was like, holy shit, that is some eye-opening just stuff. What he basically said was, uh, because he was talking about a race that he had quit, he DNF'd, and he said, I am so mentally tough when it's going the way that I want it to go, Um, but as soon as it's not going the way that I want it to go, that disappears. Like he said yeah. it so much better than that, but the way he mm. said it, it basically the premise is you can be as tough as you think you're going to be. Like it's easy to be tough when it's going the way that you want it to go, but yeah. as soon as it stops, that's a different kind of toughness. That's the toughness that really matters. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, like we're all, we're all like that. Like when I'm running my best, I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm a winner, man. I'm mentally tough. I'm strong as shit. But then when I have those bad days, I'm just like, Mm. I don't deserve to be running. <laughs> yeah. But that's where, like, that's where going back into the vault and trying to remember what it felt like mm. to run that well and forward. Like, we go, I had a long run on the Sunday. And at a certain point, I was like, man, I'm really moving well. Why am I moving so well? And part of it was because I had been thinking about, you know, this next big training block that was coming up and mm. thinking about, oh, well, what is it going to mean? But I was turning it into, oh, well, this is exciting because then I get to perform this way and perform that way. And it was just, it's just a mindset thing. And so part of it is, you know, when your mindset is going poorly, taking some of those memories of good things and pulling them up and remembering them and not using them for false motivation. Like you can't kid yourself. You can't rest on your laurels. You can't rock up to a a race in 2022 going, oh, well, in 2019, I did this, so I'll be fine. It doesn't work. But you can use the memory of 2019 to motivate you in 2022 to get closer to being back to that. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And you've you got to do that. We all know what a hard race feels like and what a hard effort feels like. Yeah. You're, you can be honest with yourself and how that feels. And then you can push past it because, like I said last week, you're going to get to that point in the race where you're going to have to make that decision because if you're going for a tough race – or yeah. a long race or a hard race and you're trying to PR, you're going to get to that point where it's like, well, I've got two options here. Yep. You know, again, this is all other things aside, injuries aside and all that stuff. It's mm. just mental. It's just like, well, and of course, physical being tired, you've got to be like, well, I either got to grind it out or yep. I'm just go. I'm just going to go yeah. and quit. So, you know. So um, treadmill race running, you're going to do a bunch of treadmill running as part of this training. Mm. Um do you like treadmill running? Um, do you know what? It's most of my running leading up to a couple of years ago was was treadmill running. Mm. Now I prefer, of course, the outdoors. Now mm. you know, yes, there is there is a bit of treadmill running on my plan. Like most of it is just if if there's a treadmill workout on my plan, it's 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 like an incline workout. Like mm. next week, huh, I have one workout. He calls it max pain and gain, something like that. <laughs> 
basically 15 minute warm up and then set the incline to 15% and just grind it out for 60 minutes at a hard tempo and just see what happens. And then, mm. um, yeah, every now and then like today, you know, it was kind of rainy and gross outside and I was just like, yeah. uh, whatever. I'm, it's four miles. I'm going to do my easy recovery on the treadmill today. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but mm. you know, as with anything, you want to train for the race that you're doing. So a treadmill is yeah. not really going to help you on a race, but there are some, there are some misconceptions and pros and cons to treadmills. So I just wanted to talk about them a little bit today. So I guess in the second part of this episode, we'll, we'll yeah. So let's, let's do that. So I guess the first part is the differences that you see with treadmill running and outdoor mm -hmm. running. So obviously, firstly, when you're running outside, you're using more muscles because you need to, you kind of need to grab the ground to, with your feet. That's what helps you propel forward. And the treadmill does that action for you. So mm -hmm. you're taking that out right off the bat. You're also using different patterns when you're outside, like turning, dodging, uh, rocks or uh, sticks, jumping over curbs, dodging small animals. <laughs> My God, this sounds like the, the old game Paperboy. Is that what your normal runs are like? I was so good at that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, dude, I am doing that all the time. All the dogs and the trees and stuff. Um, but yeah, so you're just you're using a bunch of different you're using a bunch of different muscles. And the second thing, when you're running outside, it's actually more conducive to what your natural gait is because mm. you're doing the work yourself. You're setting the parameters of how you're actually moving rather than the treadmill you know yeah sure you're mm. setting the parameters of the treadmill but once you set the speed and the incline that's it like that's it the treadmill is doing everything else it's not allowing you to turn it's not allowing mm. you to figure out how you need to move because you're at the mercy of yeah. that belt and then the third sort of difference and this is kind of more of a it's not a good thing a bad thing it's kind of like in the in the positive category the treadmill depending on the incline yep. it could save you the impact it's going to be easier on your joints because that's what they're designed to do they're they're designed to absorb that that uh, that force but that said running outside will help you reinforce your bones because of the reaction force that you're getting from yep. the ground so there's like there's like pros and cons it, it ebbs and flows you know um do you feel constricted on a, on a treadmill? So, you know, with a treadmill, you've got the big screen at the front, you've got the arms mm. down the side and everything. A lot of people can feel very, it, it tends to stiffen them up and narrow their gait and everything. You feel like you're running a lot more narrow is the only way I can describe it. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I certainly, especially if I'm running like downhill, which you can't simulate on a treadmill, really. I mean, some of them decline, but not that much. Mm. You can put them up on like <laughs> blocks or something, but I don't recommend it. Uh <laughs> when I'm like running downhill and I'm not going for it, like I'm not flailing, but I'm letting everything go a little bit loose and I have a little yeah. bit more room. But yeah, when you're on the treadmill, it's just like, you're just, it's yeah. really, it's really strict, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You can focus on form, but it also, it can be, it can be a little bit too, especially if you're a runner who is comfortable moving things around a little bit more sort of erratically, which some yeah. people are, yeah. you know, it's not, it doesn't feel the greatest. Um, so it does take away a little bit of that freedom, that natural, that natural running. 
But having said that, I've also ran on super wide treadmills or treadmills that don't have any of those arms and stuff. Those are um, scary. And they're really scary because like yeah. if I fall, I'm just going to fall. Whereas at least on a treadmill with arms, you can grab them. Ironically, you don't think about if I fall, I fall when you're running outdoors. No, you just fall. You fall. I tripped like three times yesterday at the Yu Yangs. At one point I was sure I broke my toe, but I was like, oh, whatever. It's time to keep going. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess obviously the benefit of running outside is that the races are outside, like I said before. So you can train that terrain mm -hmm. that you want to train. And the other benefits are like adapting to the environment, running in the cold, running in the heat. Mm -hmm. You know, you're getting that vitamin D from the sun. You're getting the mental clarity and the stimulation of actually moving around in a different spot. So not all the benefits of running outside are just limited to your running. There's like a yeah. lot of other stuff because, I mean, that's there's a reason that the damn thing is called the dreadmill. Yes. Yeah. Because it's boring as hell. Well, I was about to jump in. A lot easier to do group training outside than it yes. is to do on treadmills. Yeah, so really socialize. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's much harder to run with people. Although a fun thing that you can do, and I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again anyway. <laughs> you know, if you're kind of like that kind of arrogant, not arrogant, but just like competitive runner, and you're in the gym on the treadmill, you see somebody else running, it's always a fun time to just keep yourself running. <laughs> yeah. And I've done that. And the, one of the last times I did it, there was somebody on the other, like the other side of the gym uh, on the treadmill and I was running, I was running, I was speeding up and he'd speed up. I was slowing down or he'd slow down. And I was like, when I, I told myself, I wasn't going to stop until this guy stopped and I just kept going. And finally I couldn't do it. I was on there for like a while at that point. It was like a long time for me. And I finally, I just couldn't take it and I stopped. And as I stopped, he stopped. And I was like, that son of a bitch. He was waiting yeah, for me. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what? You know what, though? My arrogance got the most of me when I looked over and I realized that it was actually a friggin' mirror on the other side of the goddamn gym. Yeah. So, oh, no. Yeah. It was a mirror. It was a mirror. It was on a, I'll never forget <laughs> it. It was on a cruise ship and it was a mirror. And I was just like, I just raced myself for like two hours. Um, oh. I don't think it was quite two hours. But yeah. So yeah. Running outside with n not mirror land people is always good yeah uh, but there are many benefits of running on the treadmill so you know you are in that completely controlled environment so if you don't if you're you're in a day where you're just like nah i just want to be in a controlled environment you mm -hmm. got that you can get used to different types of paces and you can control the distance the duration and the recovery times if you're doing mm -hmm. intervals and you can put incredible work on incline workouts you know just in a massive workout a lot of leg strength much lower impact you just the problem is of course you can't set it to the decline so you're no. doing all incline work but it's you know it's a great way to strengthen your legs so i guess the last part of this in terms of making a treadmill comparable to outdoor running there's a few different things you can do so if you are somebody who wants to run on a treadmill you absolutely can I'm not saying that you should train completely on a treadmill leading up to a big race. I've seen people do it and they've done it fine. I've seen people do it and they explode in the race. So, you know, you got to do what works for you. If you hate outdoor running, I'd question why you're doing a road race, but whatever. Yeah. So the first thing, and we've all heard this, I'm sure before, but you want to set that incline to at least 1%. At least. At least. So treadmills obviously make running easy by, because they, they propel you. They're taking that work away. So setting the incline will uh, help make it a bit tougher and more geared toward that outdoor running. If you set it up to a two or three, 
Mm. You can actually stimulate running against light wind. That's kind of like what that is. But yeah. yeah, anywhere from one to three. You never want to have it on a flat because also if it is on a flat, you're, it's just more impact that you don't need. You know, it is obviously a lower impact form of exercise, but if it's flat and you're on there for a long run, it's going to suck. Yeah. You also want to try altering your gait. So that's a really good, I was doing that a little bit this morning. It's just a good idea to experiment with your gait to simulate different running conditions like turning or changes mm. in terrain. And you can do that by changing your pacing, your speed. You can even, like I, you have to be careful, but when I'm running, I might just rotate my body slightly in, in a different direction and run with different parts of my foot just to simulate moving in a different yeah. pattern. You know, that's the good thing about moving outside is you don't get used to one pattern, right? That's, if, you've, if you're looking at something like overuse in, uh, injury, you do, you get that because you're constantly moving the same way over and over again. So that's, that's you know, what you want to try to avoid on a treadmill. You also want to avoid looking at your damn watch, your Garmin, <laughs> your whatever watch you have, because I'm telling you now, they're not going to give you an accurate, an yeah. accurate pace. Like, you, go by what the treadmill says, because I'm, I'm sorry, you're not running your 5K PB pace with a 140 mm. heart rate. It's not happening your your watch is yeah. just crazy it's it doesn't it doesn't measure how you're moving on a treadmill nearly as accurate it's as, off by 30 percent. yeah at least at least like i'll sometimes be at like a six and a half minute kilometer on the treadmill mm -hmm. and it's telling me i'm running like a 420 pace uh, yeah. but you can ca calibrate them like mine i you i can, can calibrate yeah. it you and that's, calibrate. You got, it's oh, even I've seen Sorry. people jump on and they're like, oh, I did 10 kilometers. It's like, well, no, actually the treadmill says seven. Yeah. Your watch is 10. So you're actually 50% off what you exactly. actually ran. Exactly. They're like, yeah, I ran a, a half marathon PB today. I'm like, no, you didn't. You only ran like 10 kilometers. What are you talking about? And also time moves slower on a treadmill. That's a good point. proven. Time think, moves slower. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That is absolutely physics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they, they do have the foot pods and those are kind of hit and miss. So I, I just think that the technology is just not there yet. But yeah, don't don't go by what your watch says. Go by what the treadmill says. You're not running Elliot Kipchoge pace. Um, sorry. And then finally, and uh, I've heard this actually, this one I've been heard a couple times. I've never tried it myself because if I did, especially if my treadmill, I'd probably kill myself in my garage. Um, but apparently if you take a resistance band and you tie it around your waist and you attach it to something behind the treadmill, Mm -hmm. That can actually really help, and it really like apparently will right away. It'll help you with a good forward lean. It'll help you yep. really activate your posterior chain, which that's that's another thing that's missing on the treadmill, is that it's really hard to get all the that activation going, especially in the posterior chain on the treadmill. I know for me that's a problem, but if you do that, if you can figure out a way to rig yourself up with a resistance band and have it attached to something behind you, apparently really good. Apparently really awesome. Good. Yeah. Hey, we are at time. Um, yeah, like we just finished. Look at that. Just wrapped, and we need to drop off to go do other stuff. So, um, hey, hopefully people got a bit out of that. I feel like I want to go run on a treadmill. Not really. I hate treadmills. No, I know you do. No, yeah. I think that was a good uh, was a good one. So, everybody, you've got some good insight into mine and Zach's training, our mental well-being in terms of racing, and a little bit of insight on a treadmill. If you're ever wondering if you should run on a treadmill, the answer is yes and no. It just depends on if it works for you. So... Yeah. Yeah, I guess we're going to leave it there. This is going to be a quick end because Zach has to go to some meetings. I have to go to some meetings and we are going to 
leave it at that. Everybody, thanks so much for listening to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. We hope to see you out there on the roads, the trails, and the treadmills going above and beyond what you ever thought possible. We will catch you next time.